Welcome to Above the Horizontal. My name is Bo. I'm joined as always by Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson. And the first thing we like to do is the Above the Horizontal Awards. And the very first award is for Best Bold Prediction. Now, these did not go to air last week because of technical difficulties. Uh, a big apology to all five of our listeners. Uh, the, my bold prediction uh, for last week was that three, st- with three teams would score 50 points in resounding wins. Uh, as it turns out, no teams did manage to get 50. Thank you for running, writing that into the run sheet there, Kieran, just to rub <laughs> it in. Um, <laughs> the Storm were the closest with 46 points, and I was actually getting my tail up a little bit there. I was thinking, yeah, one more try and they'll get it. But uh, they did not, and then no one else did. So I was a big bump bomb for my prediction. Miles, your prediction was Mitchell Moses will have two try assists and start a fight against the West Tigers. How did that work out for you? Well, he scored one try himself, but he declined to start any fights or assist any tries. So it's going to be a big zero for me this week. Yeah, and and Kieran, uh, similar to... We, we sort of had similar predictions, but yours was that four teams would win by 22 points or more. Uh, unfortunately for you, a few too many close games. Yeah, um, I think yeah, only the Storm managed it, and the the ones that I looked at that I thought might uh, go close to that or or um, actually achieve it were nowhere near it. With the the Knights losing and the the Warriors really um, giving the Roosters a, a good run of it. So we all sucked terribly this week, gentlemen. But uh, I'm going to give this one to Kieran because at least he had one. It's <laughs> bit correct. The rest of us just completely bombed out. So congratulations to you, Kieran. You are the defending champion come the end of the episode. And we'll see how we go with next week's bold predictions. The best match for last round is the next award. My personal pick was the Raiders versus the Rabbitohs. If for no other reason that I love watching a good, tight, low-scoring contest between two quality rosters. And there were quite a few games to pick from. So, Miles, what was your best match of the round? I had the Sharks versus Dragons. It um, it really had the feeling of a, a local derby, which has kind of been rare this year, With obviously without the crowds. Um, had that finals-like atmosphere, and it had some stunning tries as well. And I, I think in the, at the end of the day, the wrong team probably won, um, which is it's always an intriguing outcome. I, I thought the Dragons were the better team, personally, and the Sharks ended up winning. So that was that was my favourite game of the round. At least you managed to tip that one. I tipped the Dragons, I believe. So, uh, <laughs> for me on that one. Uh, Kieran, what was your match of the round? Uh, yeah, I had the, the local derby, the Sharks and Dragons game as well. Um, and it served up a treat with, as Miles said, some tremendous attacking talent, uh, despite the weather. Um, and I look at Lomax and Dufty, and they've gone to new levels in the past few weeks, and it's just been awesome to watch. Uh, unfortunately, um, in patches where the Dragons switched off, it allowed the Sharks to really go on a run, and, and um, at one stage it looked like they might clock up a big score there and <laughs> help me on the way to my bold prediction. Um, but that kind of proved the difference, I thought, in the end. It was a fine game indeed, and, and it was good to see uh, a good half a dozen games that were decided by less than two tries which was really awesome the best moment of the round for me was actually seeing the bulldogs win gosh darn it it brought a smile to my face while punters everywhere had their multis ruined which (laughs) i do experience some form of schadenfreude from uh kieran what was your best moment 
this round? Um, I had best moments, and it was the the closeness and intensity of most matches this round. Um, there was fears for blowout scores every round uh, with the new six again rule and the way that teams were um, just toweling up other sides early on after COVID. But I feel like those fears have been quelled, and I believe of late with teams now adapting well to the to the new six again rule. Barring the Brisbane game this round, the highest points difference was only 12 points this round. And, um, yeah, the closeness and intensity of, of matches, I think, has been the best thing. Or that was the best moment, um, best collection of moments this round. I'm so sorry for stealing your thunder with my little segue into the best moments thing, because that's pretty much exactly what you said. Uh, <laughs> Miles, what was your best moment? Well, Bo, I'm going to share this one with you, because I had the, the Bulldogs beating the Knights too, I I think the dogs would have loved to have seen the, the heavens opening as they did up on the Hunter in the weekend, knowing that um, rain always tends to make the game a little bit more even, uh, especially with the Knights' tendency towards uh, offensive flair. Um, I think the road team really dug their heels in and scrapped out a win with their forward pack, which is a bit of an old-fashioned kind of Bulldogs victory with those big forward packs of yore. Um, oh, and I, of course, I, I absolutely freaking hate the Knights, so great match <laughs> for me. <laughs> uh, even you, Miles, would probably sympathise with my worst moment, though, because as those heavens opened, the uh, the turf didn't do any favours to a couple of Knights players, particularly uh, McCulloch and Watson, who went down with season-ending injuries. And with that goes the Knights' top four aspirations, I would say. So that is my worst moment, seeing those two in agony. Miles, what was yours? Look, I um, I certainly do sympathise, but my worst moment of the week was sort of comes from outside the sport a little bit, and that's the, the again the the league versus rugby war that we've kind of kicked up again over young uh, Rabbitohs prospect I believe he is right now Joseph Suwali. Um, look, mm. I, I think this should change the way that we look at juniors, or, or at least put kind of maybe think about putting a, a junior spending cap in place because. I don't think it's fair to these prospects to be putting them through this crap, especially when it's played out in the media like it is these days. Um, the, the kid, he, the kid clearly has no idea where he wants to spend the next few years. I think he's he's backflipped a few times now, and I, I think the the ARLC needs to put uh, the the kind of capitalism of the game aside, and I think Peter Vlandes really needs to make sure that the the teenage football talent is stopped being used as currency and as looked at a little bit more fairly than that because uh, I, I really have, have hated to see that this week. Here, here. Uh, and it, it has been tough to watch the amount of legends piling on from different sides as well. Um, I noticed Tim Horan getting in there for Rugby Union side and a bunch of legends on Rugby League side and people saying that he should be debuting now because that'll keep him in the game and it's, it's all a bit much. I, I totally agree with you. Kieran, what was your worst moment? Um, I had, and I hate to, to not um, bypass this and just let it go, but I had the, the Matt Dufty um, moments where they, they said that Jack Williams did actually score a try. But the main reason that I had this, despite it being an absolute mare of a, a decision, um, the, the bunker, obviously, it just showed how little confidence they have in themselves when making decisions, usually on that sort of a, a try where you, you can't really tell what's going on. I mean, the bunker looks at stuff that looks like a sure try 20 times. Um, so they only they only looked at this try about three times. And on the, the first look at the best angle, they decided straight away that Williams had scored. Um, and on closer review, it was clear that Dufty had grounded the ball. So I just, I, I have, you have so little confidence in the bunker. And that's um, the, why, the reason why I had to bring this up as the worst moment of the round. 
And you just hate seeing the the pundits of the game just having that much ammunition to rip them to shreds as well. It, it really uh, they're really their worst <laughs> own worst enemy, aren't they? Um, yeah. Not his own worst enemy though is the MVP this week. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some interesting picks. I've gone with Cameron Smith. The Broncos, to their credit, did turn up against the Storm on Friday, but there was this feeling they would always get the job done the storm and it just seemed that smith was just so calm he was at his scheming best he topped it off with a lovely try assist to close out the game uh, i think his game craft is unrivaled frankly and and amid making dozens of tackles as well uh, he just seems like even though he's old as he's still a cut above the rest kieran who is your mvp for round 11 um, I have Jerome Hughes, who could have easily got unsung hero, but the reason I have him is because he scored the try that um, when the scores were level at 8-all, it took Melbourne out to 14-6 at halftime. And mm. I know that's only a six-point lead, but I do feel like if the Broncos went in at 8-all, they probably would have given a much better impression of themselves in the second half. Um, mm. He played brilliantly, finished the game with 109 metres, two tries, uh, six tackle breaks, um, and he's not exactly renowned for his attacking flair. Um, he is a solid player, but he showed the Brisbane defence up brilliantly for his first try of the night, and I felt uh, overshadowed his overshadowed his partnering half in Munster. Big call, because uh, Munster also had a decent game, but Jerome Hughes was excellent, and that was a pivotal try right before halftime. Miles, who is your MVP of the round? I've uh, gone with Zach Lomax, actually. Um, uh, I think he's had a, a pretty understated month of footy, or <laughs> at least until Kieran mentioned him about five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> no, but he is really standing up for the for the Dragons um, in that back line, and he's putting his hand up as one of the, the offensive leaders for their team. And obviously, um, uh, he scored that. No, sorry, he didn't score it. Um, he probably didn't even really assist it at the end of the day even. Um, but he created that try where he flicked the flicked the football behind his back, and uh, I can't remember who ended up scoring it, but it was it was a fantastic try. And he's um, oh Ravalawa, Ravalawa, that's it. Um, and of course he's he's been um, the the man with the boot for the Dragons as well um, the past few weeks. So I've I've really enjoyed uh, Zach Lomax's contributions. It'll be interesting to see how he develops and, and whether uh, he does prove that centers are more valuable than wingers that's a that's, a, that's an inside joke uh in the podcast because we didn't get to air last week but uh that was a robust debate and he is the kind of center that could prove your case miles uh let's go to unsung heroes mine for the last round was aiden tolman not the most impactful player going well uh going around big Aiden, but darned if he doesn't turn up every week to give his all, uh, except for when his kids are at a school that has a COVID <laughs> outbreak. <laughs> Rewarded with a try and a victory for his efforts, which included 48 tackles and 201 meters. This is the kind of effort that Aiden regularly pulls out, so uh, he's the unsung hero for me. Miles, who was yours? Well, I'm glad that you guys chose um, different Storm players for your MVP because that kind of solidifies my unsung hero choice of Ryan Pappenhausen. Um, uh, I think often player performances often get lost um, in 40-plus point wins, but look, Pappenhausen was just about the Storm's best player, I thought, against the Broncos. He scored a try, made, I think, almost 300 metres and and, uh, notched up three line breaks as well. So I I thought he was really good and... um, 
as you guys kind of alluded to, he was you know, maybe the third best player on the night, but then again, maybe he was the best player on the night. And Kieran, who is your unsung hero for the week? Um, I have someone, Dynamis Louie, who's just been going quietly about his business, and he's been coming up with some big plays when the Raiders need it most lately. Um, in a team full of quality players, and even Ricky Stewart singled him out after the win over the Roosters. Um, on Saturday, he came up with two crucial strips of the ball and a couple of carries in particular that I really noticed that wrestled back the momentum off the Rabbitohs, and they really stood out for me. He did the same against the Roosters. I think that was... Even that was last week, um, and I think it was the same stats, two strips and two really strong carries. Um, and he just seems to come up with those big plays at the right moment that really swing the momentum back in the Raiders' favour, and uh, he's a crucial cog in the Raiders' premiership tilt. Let me throw this out there. He's a Queenslander, I'm pretty sure, Dunamis Louis. Keep an eye out with, with his improved performances, uh, particularly alongside Josh Papali and the lack of effort or uh, quality coming from the actual Queensland-based teams. Keep an eye out for Dynamis Louie. I'm pretty confident he's Queensland-based or Queensland-eligible, so uh, he might be a bit of a wild-card selection. And speaking of wild-cards, it's time for the wild-card award. Uh, <laughs> my wild-card award goes to best segue, and it goes to me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the <laughs> the, the wild-card award goes to... Uh, Blake Ferguson, it is the Michael Jordan Award for Best Air uh, for that incredible athleticism. And what was actually denied a try right at the end of that West Tigers game, uh, which was inconsequential, it didn't matter in the scheme of things, but just the pure athleticism to do what he did was quite incredible. So the Michael Jordan Award for Best Air goes to Blake Ferguson. Kieran, what's your wildcard award this week? Uh, I couldn't come up with a, a new uh, movie reference, but I have managed to put in some sort of movie reference after we lost last week. I've got the Aaron Woods Award for never going out of fashion. And just to, as I said, slot in some sort of movie, it's the Broncos shellackings continue, continuing is definitely not going out of fashion anytime soon for me. And it goes heavily against any superhero movie where the esteemed hero rises from the ashes of defeat to resurrect and save themselves and in doing so, enamor themselves back into the eyes of their loved ones. Instead, this is nothing like a fairy tale ending with the Broncos' record losses seemingly having no end in sight, and for me, it's a thing of beauty. I can actually hear the joy uh, coming, out of <laughs> <you>. <laughs> coming out of your writing, having to put that together. Thank you for that. Uh, as a Brisbane-based non-Broncos fan, that's quite enjoyable to hear. Miles, can you top it? What is your wildcard award for round 11? Well, I've gone with the Donald Trump Xi Jinping Award for Blow Up Imminent. <laughs> and, and uh, sorry, the award recipient, uh, now that you're all done laughing, is um, <laughs> the Roosters for um, being helped across the line, seemingly, to sign Sonny Bill Williams. Um I remember a few years ago, Todd Greenberg uh, flagged his keenness to, to help teams sign top uh, rugby-playing talent uh, a few years ago, um, and that mantra seems to have carried across to the Vlandy's reign. And as someone who is probably in the minority uh, as, as a Roosters apologist but, but not a fan of the team, uh, I personally cannot wait for the blow-up from the rest of the NRL uh, when opposition fans begin to sook about the fact that their team is simply not as attractive a prospect as playing for the Roosters. 
Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those tough ones, isn't it? Uh, because realistically, if it's not the Roosters, he probably doesn't come back to the NRL. So the Landys probably understands that it needs to happen, but. At the same time, uh, it does seem like favoritism towards uh, the current back-to-back premiers, so uh, surely won't go down well. I I agree with you, Miles. That could be one hell of a bust-up coming soon. Donald Trump-worthy indeed. Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. My name is Bo Nicholson. I'm joined, as always, by Kieran Gibson and Mr. Miles Stedman. And this week, for the big question, we are talking about the huge signing of David Fafida to the Gold Coast Titans, which was announced just a few days ago, for three years at around about $3.5 million total, uh, making him one of the highest paid players in the game on a per-season salary base. Is David Fafita actually good business for the Gold Coast Titans? This is a team that has struggled to attract big-name players. This is a team that has struggled on the field generally. Uh, The only success they've had in recent years was coming eighth one year, uh, where I think Jared Hayne was signed right at the end of that season. So he somewhat contributed to them coming eighth, but not really. Um, And ever since then has been just downfall after downfall. We've had a couple of coaches come and go. Uh, Justin Holbrook's trying his best. And they've recruited a few pretty handy forwards uh, in Herman S.A.S.A. and Tino. I'm sorry, I will not be able to pronounce your name. Uh, But Tino (laughs) from the Storm... Um, do either of you guys have a read on how to pronounce his name, by the way? No, no, no it's, it's, it's a tough one. And I do apologize, but Tino, you are a fantastic footballer and will be hopefully a very good buy for the Titans to go along with David Fafita. Miles, is David Fafita going to the Titans for that price, a good piece of business for the Titans? Well, look, I think that main, the main detractors of this deal seem to think that he'll struggle uh, to see the ball on the edge with the Titans due to their, their poor halves pairing. Uh, I disagree. I think it's fair to say that uh, Fafita is probably um, on or at least close to the level of Jason Taumalolo. Not sure about how you guys feel about that one, but um, he, he has a massive impact each week um, with a fairly lackluster halves pairing. Um, my main concern for this deal is that the simply the protracted negotiations of it all and, and how rarely that seems to work out for the team that is on the receiving end of the player. Uh, he, he seemed to reject the Titans a few times to uh, stay at uh, what is a basket case club like the Broncos. Um, and I th- he even reportedly even asked if he could take the money and then go back to Red Hill after one year. So look, I, I doubt, uh, just to take it back to a Donald Trump reference, uh, I doubt anything like that would have been written down by Trump in the art of the deal, um, and I, obviously, I, obviously, the Titans are desperate here. But that really kind of uh, makes me flag his que- he, or flag or question his commitment to the club. When you're you're in, you're seemingly in it for the money, but you you don't really want to be there around there for too long. And what money it is? I mean, like I actually don't mind the uh, the Jason Taumalolo 
comparison because uh, JT, when he started his career, he was 17, 18. He was a wrecking ball, um, and he was used mostly as an edge back rower coming off the bench for the Cowboys in a successful system that eventually they won a premiership when he moved into lock and started to get a lot of quality ball whenever he wanted it. Well, not maybe, maybe not quality. It was from Jake Granville, but uh, <laughs> it was he was first pass off the ruck. So he was able to dictate when he got that ball as often as he liked, and that was often 20-plus times a game. Uh, does David Fafita move into that lock forward position, particularly with Jai Arrow going? Um David Fafita certainly has the physical attributes to be as good as Jason Taumalolo, but Jason Taumalolo is the kind of guy that, again, for pretty good money, established himself as the game's best forward and has committed to a 10-year deal to the Cowboys. He obviously loves the club. Fafita's uh, desire to play for the Titans certainly could be in question here. So, Kieran, do you think... It's good business for the Titans. Um, look, I think it's undisputed that the the price tag is too much, um, but I still I do think it is good business. Um, I think if it was any other club that was paying that much for Fafida, I would I would actually say it's bad business. But given how poor the Titans have been and how honestly before this signing how bleak I thought their future looked, even with Holbrook at the helm, I mean. I've heard them wax lyrical, maybe not wax lyrical, but they've hyped up previous coaches in the past, and that hasn't really turned out too well. Um, I just like how um, David Fafita going to the Titans could attract other players, and I've actually got one player, or a couple of players in particular, that the Titans could go after from our team, Bo, the Cowboys. Um, I think if if Holmes is going to be our our full-time fullback, they could possibly try to nab Hamiso, who actually... um, did high school um, in Brisbane, and there's also um, we've got three, actually four halves at the moment vying for two positions in Dejan Asi, Michael Morgan, Scott Drinkwater, and Jake Clifford. I know Drinkwater is a a coastal boy, um, and if we decide to go with Clifford, Asi, or Morgan in the halves, I'm sure he would love to go down and try a rebuild with the Titans, and I think he would be guaranteed a spot down there that he's not necessarily guaranteed at the Cowboys. Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, it, it could attract so many better players. And another thing I have to add is um, I think um, it's a, a good chance for the Titans to kind of um, come out of the shadow of the Broncos and maybe that will attract players to the club knowing that they can um, go to a club like the Titans and have that pride over there, their biggest rival in the Broncos. And they've been the little brother for so long. Maybe players will want to be a part of that sort of revolution to be bigger and better than the such a highly uh, esteemed club like the Brisbane Broncos. It took the Cowboys a long time to come out of the Broncos shadow and and they eventually did and they held the mantle albeit briefly and they may still do as the best (laughs) Queensland team right now but that just speaks volumes to the Broncos and the Titans. Uh, The last Broncos player that left to go to the Titans that the Broncos actually wanted to keep was Ash Taylor. Is that potentially uh, a bit of a tale that might be a bit of a warning to the Titans about uh, investing so much in young Fafita? Uh, any thoughts on on Fafita's best position potentially? Miles, do you think that he will stay as an edge back rower? Or like you alluded to, do you feel like maybe moving him into the lock forward position could be the way forward for him? 
Well, I think you have to if you've spent that much money uh, on a player. Uh, like we said last, or like I said last week, but didn't quite get to where um, I think uh, a generally good map for uh, your spend on your team is uh, more money in the middle of the field and, and uh, increasingly less as you, you move out to the edges. And I, I think that's what probably for his career will look like as well. He's just simply too good a player to um, only touch the ball when he's halves feel like it. And Kieran, you'd, you'd agree with that assessment, I'm sure. Yeah, I have to echo exactly what um, Miles just said. And I think even if the, the price tag was somewhat um, reasonable, I would be playing him at lock, such as his uh, devastation um, uh, attacking the line. Yeah, Jason Tamalola is certainly the blueprint for David Fafita. And, and if he is to go to the next level, and he certainly does have the talent, and I agree with you, Miles, I, I think there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, he does have to move into lock forward. He has to justify his price tag. It is a, it is too much. I think we all agree it is too much. And that, yeah. in that sense, means that it's probably not great business for the Titans. But there are external factors at play, including just getting more people through, through uh, the turnstiles to go and watch the game. So time will tell, obviously. At this stage, it does seem like too much. But I do like the fact that the Titans are at least having a go. And they're not throwing money at Shannon Boyd, who played for Australia years before and was playing on the bench for the Raiders, or throwing money at Bryce Cartwright, who was in and out of first grade at the Panthers, or Tyrone Peachy, who no one still knows what his best position is. So they essentially bought a utility for half a million dollars a season. They've thrown their money at undoubtedly one of the best young forwards in the game, and they've surrounded him with a bunch of other really good young forwards. Uh, it will be very interesting to see because at the very least, the Titans should be more competitive with a much better forward pack. So I guess you could say that we're undecided, but uh, I'm very curious to see how it goes. And for that reason, I'll be staying tuned to all future developments with the Titans because it could get very interesting down there. <laughs> Welcome back to Above the Horizontal. My name is Bo Nicholson. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Miles Stedman and Mr. Kieran Gibson. And we are about to engage in some Above the Horizontal thinking. Now, with Benji Marshall currently entrenched in the top 10 of the Dally M rank, uh, rankings, even with missing almost a month of football sitting on the pine, begs the question, as, as he bounced around different teams like the Dragons and the Broncos, and it seemed like his career was winding down to a, a bit of a whimper, really, considering the, the great heights that he had reached in his career, for him to come out and stamp himself as, again, one of the most useful halves in the game, got us thinking, who are some players running around at the moment that looked like they were on the outer but seems as though they have saved their careers. I'll start us off. I have gone with Luke Keery. Luke Keery was a guy that was a part of a, a premiership winning side at the Rabbitohs in 2014. And he seemed to have the world at his feet. If you remember correctly, he, he had a 
Queensland and New South Wales both fighting over him, uh, which makes it amazing that he's played for neither to this point, although I'm, I'm sure injury prevailing, that will change at the end of this year because Luke Keary has become one of the best halves in the world. But it wasn't always that way. I remember there was a little kerfuffle with uh, with the owner of the Rabbitohs, Russell Crowe, which allegedly involved a bit of a scuffle. Uh, and he le- he was playing some time on the bench uh, at the Rabbitohs, and he left in fairly acrimonious circumstances. He comes to the Roosters. Now, he gets into a really good system, and the Rabbitohs did have a good system, but he was out of favour. And playing particularly with Cooper Croc in the last couple of years, and then now as the senior half with Kyle Flanagan, it's fair to say that Luke Geary has done his apprenticeship. He's worked with the best, and now he has become one of the best. So, I mean, like, realistically, when it comes time to name the Australian team, they've got a hell of a decision to make because you've got Luke Geary and Cameron Munster vying for that number six jersey, uh to the point that they're probably going to have to move Luke Keary into halfback and then what drop Daly Terry Evans and ignore Nathan Cleary. That's how good Luke Keary is. So I would say that he has certainly saved his career. Kieran, who is the player that you've nominated for who has saved their career from the brink of destruction? Uh, this one's probably a bit um, debatable and maybe is a controversial take, but I've got Jake Friend, who was on the outer with the Roosters in, in 2017 and 2018 with some indifferent form at best for one of the premier clubs in the competition. Uh, you had um, even fans of the club were calling for him to leave. Um, whilst the Roosters would probably deny it, um, they also were surely, look, surely looking around at shopping him um, with the young and styling Sam Verrills and Victor Radley coming up and coming in the NRL. And it would have almost been irresponsible of the feel at the time to have persisted with friend, an aging friend, despite his experience and what that experience suggests he should bring to a side, were not resulting with on-field performances at the time. Uh, and McCulloch was named as Queensland hooker in 2018, and the only real other out-and-out hooker to compete for that spot was friend, who at the time I gave no chance of being selected Um, And McCulloch, uh, whilst he's a solid first grader and he was playing decent at the time, he's not the the best hooker either. So, um, yeah, I I have Jake Friend. Um, He's gone on to win two premierships since then, and I think he's he's played himself back into career form. He could possibly, um, if Ben Hunt, or even if Ben Hunt doesn't get an injury and the Dragons kind of flopped uh, to the end of the season, Jake Friend might just find himself in a Queensland jersey at the end of the season, at the end of his career. Don't forget that he won those two premierships as a co-captain as well. It, it really speaks volumes to the, the turnaround in his career, and I think he's a good choice. Maybe not that controversial take after all. Miles, who do you think is the player that uh, best exemplifies someone that has saved their careers? I've chosen Damien Cook. Um, he'd, he'd been through three clubs by the time he arrived at the Rabbitohs, um, the Panthers in his junior years, and then, of course, the Dragons and Bulldogs. Um all of which declined to extend his contract past their initial offer. So it's hard to say he'd been heaped on the the hooker trash pile, but um, the Rabbitohs certainly got him at a very reasonable price, um, probably not expecting a whole heap from him. Um, But his arrival at uh, Michael Maguire's club was, it it kind of allowed him to play off the front foot like Michael Maguire likes to do so, um, as we've seen this year with Harry Grant. Um, 
and it's saw him really come into his own and he's obviously blossomed into an NRL star since then he's really important part of obviously the Rabbitohs but also the Blues and the even the Australian national side so it's a, a pretty rapid and amazing rise for a guy who was as I said been through three clubs all of whom had said mm, thanks but no thanks and and it has been a rapid rise because you're right. He went from basically reserve grade to battling it out with uh, Robbie Farah at the Rabbitohs uh, for that hooking role, and then it was battling out with Cameron McGuinness and Appy Corusau for the Blues number nine jersey. Once it was decided that Nathan Peets would never have it again, and now you can't picture anyone else wearing it uh, come the end of the year. Of course, injury permitting. So another fine choice. There are some players that. Uh, should go on to rep honours. Uh, all of them have played for Australia at one point in their careers, and all of them have been very close to being uh, very obscure trivia questions. So uh, well done to both of you guys for coming up with those uh, those two hookers. I've gone with a half instead. Uh, and thank you for that above the horizontal thinking. Now, if we can further engage our brains and get some tips happening for round 12, uh, I have to take the wooden spoon. I prefer to call it the bronze medal, though. Uh, for last week, I got five <laughs> out of eight. Kieran, you got six. And Miles, you got seven. You were done by the, the doggies, those resurgent doggies, uh, at the on Sunday afternoon there. I remember you being quite upset. <laughs> Look, I, I was upset at, at losing the tip, but I certainly, as I alluded to, was not upset at seeing the Knights lose. <laughs> all right uh so miles you are the uh champion once again uh kieran we have to lift ours so if you can start us off with the dragons and the rabbitos on thursday night uh so for the dragons adam clune and trent Marin are both out with hia problems which has forced a reshuffle for the dragons with hunt back to halfback and mckinnis to hooker as they were at the beginning of the season a few other changes most noticeably tristan sailor coming into the 17 jersey um, mm. who has big reps on him, and thank God a Queenslander, although he's likely eligible for New South Wales, having played in their um, NR junior system, I should say. Um, I'm excited to see Hunt back with uh, in the halfback spot with a bit of form and Norman, Norman steering the side well lately. Meanwhile, the Rabbits have Mitchell back at the back. The Dragons cruelly had their finals chances ruined with a four-point loss to the Sharks, although they had ample opportunity to win it at the death and the Rabbitohs, meanwhile, have played with much, much more intensity in the last few weeks and against top eight sides that suggests to me they can give this company a real shake when they have their best on the paddock. The Dragons need more than just Dufty and Lomax to weave their creative magic in attack, and the defense is still very much a work in progress. Uh, given the Rabbitohs' strong showings the last couple of weeks, despite losses, I've got them winning this. I'm exactly the same as you, Kieran. Uh, I think it's the Rabbitohs' time. Miles, what do you think? I could I could see a, a dragon's ambush, but I have gone the Rabbitohs here. All right, well, Kieran, that's reassuring. The master has chosen the famous us, so we should be in good hands. Uh, <laughs> Mister Mister Stedman, if you could take us through the Friday afternoon game between the West Tigers and the New Zealand Warriors, please. Uh, look, now now on the outside of finals looking in, uh, I expect the Tigers to, to roar back into life in this one and, and put the pressure back on the Sharks and the Seagulls and, and also the Rabbitohs to, to keep pace with them 
in the finals race. So it, it's pretty convincingly the Tigers for me here. We agree once again. Uh, it, I swear I'm not doing it deliberately, I promise. Uh, Kieran, who do you think, <laughs> the Tigers or the Warriors? Um, and not because Miles has gone first, but I've got the Tigers as well. I think the Warriors lose Fusatua, um, Mamalo and uh, Parsi as well. Um, they do get Alvaro and Jennings from the Eels, but I, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think the Tigers will win. Uh, and and shout out to our our friend Chris Waring who uh, it's not even the the good uh, Jennings Robert Jennings it's uh, it's George Jennings <laughs> the Eels so uh, Chris will like that one if he can be bothered to listen uh, I've got the next game which is on Friday night it's uh, my beloved Broncos against the Sharks an injury to Brody Croft moves Anthony Milford back to five eighth and Darius Boyd to fullback. I'm reminded of the Paula Abdul song, Opposites Attract, because it's two steps forward and three steps back. <laughs> at, least they have, at least they have Jake Turpin returning. For the Sharks, Chad Townsend hasn't had the best season, but he's still a loss for them, replaced by the less organisational Connor Tracy. They'll be hoping Sean Johnson can continue his recent creative form and also guide the team around the park. And I'm backing him too, so the Sharks will win this one for me. Miles, who do you think will win? Yeah, I think the the Sharks are really trying to muscle their way in as a, a finals team, so I think they'll uh, end the Broncos what for you. Yeah, it, it just seems it just seems like the the teams that are hovering around that you know sixth to tenth or eleventh have a bit more to play for. Uh, what do you think, Kieran? Broncos or Sharks? Um, yeah, I have to echo what Miles um, just said. The the Sharks looked pretty good on Saturday, and their their forward pack really muscled up. I think I read somewhere I can't remember who it was. I think it was Talaki. He made two hundred meters um, off twenty nine minutes of game time last week. Um, and yeah, with, with stats, yeah, 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 it was pretty insane. Um, yeah, when your forwards are going going forward like that, I, I think there's little chance that you're going to lose a match. Speaking of go forward, uh, are you expecting a fair bit of that from the Roosters against the Titans on Saturday afternoon, Kieran? Yeah, I'll just say it straight off the bat. I've got the Roosters winning. Um, the Roosters, uh, Ryan Hall replaces Brett Morris on the wing in a game which Hall will surely nab his first NRL try. Um, for the Titans, Hipgrave returns to replace Sam Stone and Lasone replaces Jai Whitbread on the bench. The Roosters look set to become possibly the most hated club over Manly last week as they were very nearly the ones to ruin a majority of NRL tipsters and punters' perfect weekend, Um, although it was the dogs in the end. Um, Meanwhile, the Titans' strong showing against the top team in the NRL wasn't made any easier with one of the worst officiating showings this season. Perhaps the biggest win for the Titans was their signing of Fafida with no late last-hour offering of an unsigned SBW plus cash for Fafida from the Roosters. Which would not surprise <laughs> at all. <laughs> uh, I've got to love all these Uncle Nick jokes. So you're going for the Titans, obviously, Kieran. Uh, nearly. I, I'll say nearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Titans should get the silver medal in this one, that's for sure. I'm, I'm going to go for the, for the Roosters <laughs> to get the gold. So, uh, Miles, uh, we've been the same so far. Uh, surely not. Surely you're going for the Titans. Oh, uh, look, it's it's just going to be the Roosters for me here by maybe six tries. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, probably a good call. Although they did make a good showing of themselves against an admittedly understrength Panthers. But yes, the Roosters should get that one done. Miles, speaking of teams that should get done, uh, the Cowboys, they take on an informed oh, Raiders oh. outfit. Yes, yes, they do. Poor Cowboys. Um, uh, and I think the Raiders have looked increasingly better and, and more comfortable without uh, the, the lethargic Josh Hodgson at hooker as the weeks have passed. And I expect them to really throw the shackles off against the Cowboys after what's been a, a tougher recent schedule and, and really cut loose here. So, look, hopefully not for the sake of you two, but I, I think I'm, I'm going with the Raiders here and I think it could be a big win. Something I did not see coming was an increase in their form without Josh Hodgson. Maybe they're rallied or maybe it's the introduction of young Tom Starling. Um, with my heart, I say Cowboys. With my head, I say Raiders. So, therefore, my tip is Raiders. Kieran, will you be joining us? Yeah, I will. And uh, I have to echo what Miles just said. I, I don't think the Raiders have, a, have had a blowout score all season despite the introduction of the six-again rule. I think maybe their biggest win was over the Storm, actually. Uh, but I'm tipping them to win um, and a, a big score to be put on the Cowboys, as Miles said. I don't know if I can continue this because I'm so upset because the Cowboys <laughs> just, they just, they're just really uh, letting me down. But I'm going to push through. I'm going to go to the Seagulls and Panthers, which is on the last game on Saturday. Uh, of course, still no sign of Turbo for Manly. No Appy Coruscant for Penrith, although he has been named in their reserves. So there is a possibility. But assuming that he's not there, both are big losses for their team. Nathan Cleary is in career best form, while DCE has really turned up in the past couple of weeks, reminding everyone that he is, in fact, the incumbent Australian halfback. This match will be won and lost in the furnace, though, with both packs enjoying good seasons. How tantalizing is it to see Viami Kikau up against an in-form Curtis Sirinan, or to have James Tarmow and Fisher-Harris Square off against Tapao and Fanua Blake. Jake Trevojevic lines up against the ever-improving Isaiah Yeo. Goodness me. Hard to pick this one. Can I sit on the fence? No. I'm going to go for Manly on this one. I'm going to I'm gonna tip an upset. Uh, I just saw enough, uh, obviously, ticker from Manly in the last couple of weeks. And also, a couple of chinks there from Penrith without Api Corusau. So, I'm going to go for Manly here. Miles, Manly or Penrith for you? I almost went with Manly as well, but I am going to land on the Panthers here. I, I think that um, they'll be really keen to prove themselves as the alpha of the league by winning here um, against the Seagulls in a match that probably um, many will be tipping the Seagulls, I think. Yeah, they just... They just got a bit of shit in them, haven't they? The Seagulls, like they, like they, they're dogged. Uh, Kieran, can you can you see an upset here as well? Uh, no, I think if Tom Trebojevic was back, I'd, I'd for sure, even with a full strength Panthers team, I, I would tip the Seagulls, given how the Panthers fared against the Titans. But I've got the the Panthers winning this one. Uh, fair enough. I'll go out on my own, and and as a result probably lose again this week in the tipping. Uh, Kieran, if you could take the the high-flying Bulldogs and the uh, and the Eels, please. 
So the, the high-flying Bulldogs got their second win of the season, holding on against a, a charging night side in the second half. Meanwhile, the Eels, despite bouncing back against the Tigers, actually dropped one spot on the ladder after the storm tailed up the, the Broncos. Um, a good win by the Bulldogs, and they get Lafayette, a mid-season recruit, in this week, replacing the much maligned Carrot Holland. Cogger and Suasu Sue, Suasi Sue come in yes. to take Wakeham and Tormaga's spots. And the Eels have Kane Evans and Kafusi return on the bench in the place of Takarangi and uh, Utai Kamanu. I'm not sure how accurate that one is. Um, and the Eels, I, I think they'll win with ease with Moses back and uh, a rampaging forward pack that Gutherson is blitzing the field off. <laughs> what what you uh, what you would say though is that Steve Georgiala certainly has. Uh, at, at the very least, uh, inspired some extra fight from the Bulldogs, uh, narrowly going down to the Dragons and then beating the Knights. So anything is possible in saying that the Eels will win. Miles, do you agree with that? Yeah, it's it's the Eels for me here too. And you can take the last game. Uh, try not to be too harsh here. It's the Storm versus the Knights. <laughs> um. Look, I, I feel the Storm may once again be setting into their, their usual position as the, the best team during the NRL's regular season, at least. Um, and, and look, with injuries mounting and the, the Knights' um, <laughs> the Knights overhyped roster underperforming, um, I can see them going in the exact opposite direction, actually. Um, I, uh, I In fact, I picked the Knights to finish outside the finals at the beginning of the season, and I think they... Um, I think they'll notch up a second loss in a row this week, and and they'll be right back in that dogfight for the the bottom final seeds with um, the Sharks, Tigers, Rabbitohs, and and, and that lot. So, look, uh, with those injuries, who knows what happens? The the Knights could miss out on the finals here. Yeah, I've got them sneaking into the the bottom half of the eight, but their top four aspirations are certainly uh, disappearing very quickly. Storm for me. Kieran, Storm or Knights? Um, purely based on the fact that the Knights haven't really put together, other than actually that, that Raiders game, um, an 80-minute performance together, and the Storm are the, the masters of an 80-minute performance. They've got the Storm. Yeah, a very fine prediction, I think, uh, mostly because you agree with me. All right, so now for some bold <laughs> predictions. Uh, I, I... I have changed my bold prediction at the last second because... When we were talking about the Cowboys and Raiders, I actually had the Cowboys to beat the Raiders as my bold prediction. So that is no longer going to be the case. I am going to change it on the fly to Daily Cherry Evans kicking a winning field goal against the Panthers. That's my bold prediction. Kieran, what is yours? Um, I tried to, to change mine up a little bit as well um, from what I've gone on gone previously predicting uh, i got six bench players to score a try with brandon smith and lachlan lamb two of them six bench players to score a try uh, specifically including brandon smith and lachlan lamb very interesting uh that'll, that'll be hard to keep track of over the the uh the course of the weekend but uh they <laughs> could very well be the case uh good luck to you and miles what is your bold prediction for round 12 Um, I've gone, look, the Raiders are returning 
both John Bateman um, and they, they'll likely debut Corey Harawira Naira this week. So I've gone for the Green Machines edge forwards to score at least two tries between them this weekend. And in just quickly pulling up the, the team sheet, um, that is, for the record, John Bateman, Elliot Whitehead, Hudson Young, and obviously the parent, depending on where they come onto the field, uh, Joseph Tarpany, Ryan Sutton, and or Corey Harawira Naira. All right, so two, two tries scored on the edge by Raiders forwards. You'd be happy with that uh, description of your prediction? Sure, sure. I mean, <laughs> I, I, it will be a little bit of a cheat if Josh Papali scores one on the wing or, or Dinamis Lui, but <laughs> hey, I'll take that as well. Josh Papali, a la Carl Webb in that Origin game that one time where he shrugs off a thousand players and scores <laughs> right inside the corner post. I can see it now because it can only happen against the Cowboys. But thank you both very, very much for this week's episode. Uh, I have to fly. I've got to go play some cricket. So uh, go the Cowboys. Go the Cowboys. Go Bose cricket team. <laughs> <laughs> the Frothers. We're called the Frothers. <laughs> Go the frothers. Oh, boy. <laughs> I feel like that would be some audio that would come back and bite me. <laughs> it's, um, or me. It's the most anti-bow name ever. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Your regular panellists are Miles Steadman and Kieran Gibson. Our theme song is Tough Nut by Ryan Cross. I'm Bo Nicholson.